On this episode of Mixin' Some Magic, we're exploring the Indiana Jones attraction at Disneyland. I'm talking about the history, storytelling, hidden gems, and fun facts about this fun and exciting attraction. Hi, I'm Melissa with Mixin' Some Magic. I'm a Disney planning expert and I'm here to mix a little magic into your day. Each week I share Disney vacation planning tips, park strategies, and a little bit of Disney history sprinkled in. Of course, I like to include lots of Disney magic. Join me, let's mix in some magic. Welcome! I'm happy to have you here today. I hope you're doing well. Things are great at my house. We're still prepping for back to school and I am looking forward to being back in a routine, but the kids are happy getting ready for school. I'm happy that they're going back to school. Right now we're getting to bed late and everyone is sleeping in. I mean, I have like all teenagers and so it's not uncommon for me to not even see them till like 11 or 12 in the day, which is great for a little while, but it's time for school to start again and for us to have a routine. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to that. I need to start getting up earlier and into a better routine. So I'm looking forward to that happening soon. It has been a while since we did Disneyland news, and there are some things I thought I should mention. The dates for the holidays at Disneyland have been announced. If you want to check out the magic of the holidays at Disneyland, you're going to want to visit sometime between November 10th and January 7th. Although I do recommend avoiding the week of Christmas and New Year's because it's very crowded. Probably the most crowded time of the entire year is that week. So I have updated my guide to Disneyland during the holidays, which talks all about the special offerings and the entertainment and all the holiday magic that you can expect to find. So if you're going to visit during the holidays, check that out. I will include a link in the show notes so you can find it. It's also almost time for Halloween to begin at Disneyland. Halloween kicks off on September 1st this year and lasts until October 31st. Halloween merch is starting to pop up in the parks. And soon we're going to start seeing some Halloween decorations going up too, which will be exciting. Now keep in mind that Haunted Mansion will be closed August 15th for its transformation into Haunted Mansion Holiday. And it won't reopen until September 1st. At that point, it will have been taken over by Jack Skellington and his crew, and it will stay Haunted Mansion Holiday for the rest of the holiday and Halloween season. If you are planning on visiting Disneyland anytime between now and the end of the year, now is the time to book your park tickets and your hotels. Disneyland is going to raise prices soon. I don't know exactly when, but I feel fairly confident that it will happen in October. It has for the last couple of years. Don't let it catch you off guard. Save money by booking your park tickets right now. It's also a good idea to book your hotel as soon as possible. The holidays and Halloween time are incredibly popular at Disneyland and hotel rooms book up quickly, especially if you're looking to stay close to the parks. I always get my tickets and hotels from Getaway Today. They have the very best prices and their park tickets are always discounted off the gate price. Gate price. Many of their hotels have like a stay three nights, get the fourth night free deal, or they offer free breakfast or free parking for Getaway Today guests. 
The other thing I love most about them is that they are actual Disneyland and Disney World experts. Uh, I probably shouldn't say this, but every single week I get messages from travel agents asking me really simple questions. They'll say things like, my client is visiting Disneyland with four people and is looking for a great place to stay that's within walking distance of the park. Where should I tell them they should stay? Or my client wants to see a parade. Does Disneyland have parades? Like really simple questions like that. And it's funny but it's also a little annoying, especially when I look at their Instagram page or website and see that they are telling people that they are Disneyland experts, when many of them have told me that they've actually never been to Disneyland or Disney World, yet here they are offering advice to people who assume that they know what they're talking about and they have no idea. Well, that's not the case with Getaway Today. They actually are Disneyland experts. They take their employees on a FAM trip, which stands for familiarization trip, every single year so they can tour hotels and they can experience the parks for themselves. So they want their employees to know what they're talking about, and it really shows in their customer service. So please use them to book your Disney trips because they actually do know what they're talking about. They are actual Disney experts, and they've actually been to the parks. I would not recommend using them if I didn't use them myself. You can find the link for them in my show notes, or you can give them a call at one 855 getaway Tell them what you're looking for in a hotel, and they'll be happy to help you find the perfect place for you that will fit your family's needs and into your budget. Just make sure you tell them that Mixin' Some Magic sent you for the very best deals. All right, before we jump into our Once Upon a Time episode today, I wanted to share a couple of reviews with you. Thank you for rating and reviewing my podcast. It helps me so much. This review is from Joni the Hiker. It says, perfect guide for my type A personality. I have never been to Disneyland before. I am 30 years old and this podcast has been the perfect way to plan a trip for my family. I never in a million years would rope drop had I not heard this podcast. So thankful for all the information you're just handing out for free. Thank you, Joni. I appreciate it. And here's one more review from Patty Loves Disney. It says, fun and informative. I truly enjoy listening to this podcast. I love all the Once Upon a Time episodes because Melissa shares such fun tidbits about Disneyland that most people don't know. She has great tips for any Disneyland goer. Thank you, Melissa, for such a fun podcast. Thank you for listening and for your review, Patty. The Once Upon a Time episodes are my very favorite too. And I am pretty excited for today's episode. We're going to be talking about Indiana Jones Adventure at Disneyland. I had so much fun putting this episode together for you, but as I was putting it together, I realized that I had so much information and there was no way I was going to be able to fit it into just one episode. I tried to find things that I could cut out, but I just didn't want to. So I decided that this was just going to need to be our very first two-part Once Upon a Time episode. This ride is so epic and a favorite of so many that I want to make sure I do it justice. So today we'll do part one, and you're just going to have to wait all the way until next week for part two. 
Let's take a quick break and then we'll get right into part one of Once Upon a Time Indiana Jones Adventure. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Mix in Some Magic. If you're visiting Disneyland soon, make sure you get your dining reservations early. Dining reservations are available 60 days in advance and they book up quickly. If there's a dining reservation you're having trouble finding, you need to check out Mouse Dining. You tell them where you want to dine and when, and they'll send you a text or email when the dining reservation you're looking for becomes available. I've had lots of luck finding those hard-to-get dining reservations using Mouse Dining. Check them out. I know you'll love them. I'll put a link to them in the show notes. Once upon a time, there was an exciting attraction at Disneyland called Indiana Jones Adventure. Here's the description for the attraction from the Disneyland website. Follow Indy's footsteps into the crumbling temple of the Forbidden Eye past intricate booby traps. Inspect carvings and frescoes that tell the story of Mara, a powerful deity who promises great treasures and vengeance to those foolish enough to gaze into its all-seeing eyes. Brave unimaginable perils... Board a rugged troop transport and enter the Chamber of Destiny. Confront inconceivable dangers like precarious precipices over molten lava, screaming mummies, swarms of giant insects, spear-throwing wraiths, collapsing bridges, slithering snakes, and a massive rolling boulder. If you find yourself in jeopardy, only one man is brave enough or crazy enough to save you, Dr. Jones. Indiana Jones Adventure opened up in Disneyland in March of 1995. There are three Indiana Jones attractions in the world. There's the one in California that we're talking about today. There's one in Disneyland Paris that is called Indiana Jones and the Temple of Peril. And this one is more of a roller coaster style ride. The other one is in Tokyo and is called Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. The attraction in Tokyo is very similar to the one at Disneyland in California. Disney World in Florida has an Indiana Jones stunt show, which is actually really cool. If you ever get a chance to see it, make sure you do. It's lots of fun. The stunt show opened up at Disney World in 1989, and it was so popular that Disneyland decided to add an Indiana Jones attraction to their park. They decided to place it in Adventureland, which is the perfect place for it. But it took Disney a while to decide exactly how the attraction was going to work. At first, they were thinking it might just be a walkthrough attraction. Side note, what is with Disney and walkthrough attraction ideas? Pirates of the Caribbean was supposed to be a walkthrough attraction. Haunted Mansion was originally supposed to be a walkthrough attraction. But do we actually have any walkthrough attractions at Disneyland? I don't think we do. So I'm I'm not sure what the obsession is for rides to start out as walkthrough attractions. It never works out. Anyway, the idea for a walkthrough attraction was quickly scrapped and they went on to bigger and better ideas. 
early drafts included two rides in that space, the one we have now, and a minecart roller coaster ride like the one from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, you know, when they're riding through the the temple on in the minecars. It was supposed to be kind of like that. And it would go through the Temple of the Forbidden Eye as well. And that design would have been cool. Uh, in this design, then not only would we have two attractions in one space, but Jungle Cruise and the Disneyland Railroad would both pass through the attraction. It sounds amazing, right? I think so. Eventually, though, it was decided that the design would be too expensive and it was scaled back to the attraction that we know and love today. It took seven years to complete the attraction from conception to completion. And no official number has been released by Disney, but it is estimated that the attraction cost about $100 million. Construction began in August of 1993, and a huge show building had to be created to house the attraction. The building is 50,000 square feet, and the Eeyore section of the old parking lot had to be demolished so that the building could be put in its place. Now remember this for later, because it's going to come up again. The show building was pretty far from the park, and so to get there, Imagineers had to figure out how to get guests over to the show building and they had to take them underneath the Disneyland railroad tracks as well. So to do that, they came up with a great queue. They built a half a mile queue. Did you realize it was that long? It's so long with a tunnel that takes guests under the railroad tracks and over to the show building. So when you're walking through the Indiana queue, you're actually going underneath the railroad tracks. It's not a really obvious decline. It's very gradual, but you are going down under the railroad tracks. A new ride system was also created for this attraction called EMV. It stands for Enhanced Motor Vehicle. The vehicles run on a flat track and the wheels don't actually move at all. I mean, they spin, but the, the vehicle itself is bouncing around and it's pretty wild, but the wheels are staying put on the ground. There's a base that's attached to the wheels that moves and makes the vehicle feel like you're bouncing over logs or rolling around on rough terrain, which is pretty cool. You can get a really good glimpse of how it works by looking at other ride vehicles while you're on the attraction, if you think about it. There are 17 ride vehicles and each one is programmed a little bit differently. So the vehicles have different motions that they go through and places where they pause on the ride. And I don't think most guests would pick up on this. I certainly wouldn't have, but I was reading about it while I was prepping for this episode and I thought it was a pretty cool detail. Each vehicle has its own speakers that provide full stereo surround sound, and each vehicle seats 12 people. So there's three rows of four, and I prefer to sit on an end if I can, because I feel like it's a little more fun. If you have a younger kid who's feeling adventurous, then ask a cast member if they can drive the vehicle. You don't actually drive the vehicle, but sitting in the driver's seat and pretending that you're driving is pretty fun. If you have a kid that is nervous to ride this attraction, then put them somewhere in the middle. Don't put them on the end. The top speed is only 14 miles an hour, which is pretty slow, but you'll feel like you're going much faster in lots of places. 
The original score from the Indiana Jones film was adapted, arranged, and recorded by a 90-piece orchestra for this Indiana Jones attraction. The music is designed to complement the ride and to add excitement and suspense to the attraction, and I think they did an amazing job. The attraction itself is set in 1935 in India. Inspiration for the Temple of the Forbidden Eye came from Angkor Wat in Cambodia and temples in India. I also thought it was cool that when they built this attraction, they revamped Jungle Cruise as well because they wanted Jungle Cruise to be set in 1935 also so that they would kind of flow together. You can see Indiana Jones attraction from the Jungle Cruise and they wanted them to be set in the same time period. So before the attraction of Indiana Jones opened, then Jungle Cruise was given a little refresh and changed some things so that it would be set in 1935 as well. The screenwriters who wrote Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Willard Hayek and Gloria Katz, were consulted on the script for the attraction and they helped to write it. I'm sure that having them involved makes it feel more like we're actually on an Indiana Jones adventure than it would have had they not been involved. So I think we have them to thank for all of the adventure. When the attraction opened in 1995, a bunch of celebrities showed up to check it out. Attending the opening was George Lucas, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Dan Aykroyd, Wayne Gretzky, and Dennis Miller. The attraction was an instant success and practically became a classic overnight. Indiana Jones Adventure is many people's very favorite ride. Do you remember the first time you wrote Indiana Jones? Because I remember the first time I wrote it. It was the summer of 1995. I was a young teenager. And back then, we only visited Disneyland every five or six years with my family. We usually went with our cousins. And we were there for one day only. It was always in the summer. It was always so hot. We were there for one day. But it was exciting. We always had a great time. So like I said, I was, I think, about 14 when I wrote Indiana Jones for the first time. We were there with my family and all of my cousins, and Indiana Jones had a really long wait. And I don't remember exactly how long we waited, but I remember that my parents and aunt and uncle really, really tried to talk us out of writing it. They didn't want to wait in that long line, especially since it would eat up a good portion of our day, and we were only visiting for one day. Well, all of us kids didn't care how long we waited. We just wanted to ride. And I think we waited about three or four hours. Now, keep in mind, it was a brand new ride. It had only been open for a couple of months. And this was before the days of Fast Passes and Genie Plus. So you only had one option to wait in the line. And I remember sitting down in the line for long stretches of time. The line was so long and it was moving so slowly that we had plenty of time to sit down and take breaks because there was nowhere else to go. The line was backed up and we were all like shoulder to shoulder all the way past the entrance. So these days, then Disney spaces out how many people they let into the temple at a time. So before you go into the temple or right when you go into the temple, then these days, the lightning lane merges with the standby line. And once you're in the temple, it's just everybody is in the same line. And they 
limit how many people go into the temple at a time. And you are usually able to walk through probably half the temple before you're stopped by people in front of you. But that wasn't the case on this day. It was packed and waiting was long, but the ride was absolutely incredible and it totally blew us away. It was the best ride we had ever been on ever to that point. Totally amazing. And we talked about it for the rest of the day and we all agreed that the wait had been well worth it. I also remember, I'm going to have to double check. You know how you have memories sometimes and you're like, did I make up that memory or is that an actual thing that happened? I'll have to double check with my parents. But I really think that they bought my brother, who was around six, a whip there at the bazaar across from Indiana Jones. Because obviously they had tons of Indiana Jones merch and all that kind of thing. And I think they bought him a whip. And I remember thinking, that's a terrible idea. And if he whips me, we there's going to be trouble. So I'll have to ask him if that's something that actually happened or did I make that up? I'm not sure. Well, the line for this attraction can still get long, but you won't wait nearly as long as I did back in 1995. So maybe that will make you feel better while you're waiting. I'm not sure. I do recommend using Genie Plus to shorten your wait time. Um, if you don't know how to use Genie Plus, go back and find my episode. Um, it was, it's been a while, but go back and listen to my episode all about Genie Plus and strategies and how to use Genie Plus because I do not want you to waste your money. And if you know how to use Genie Plus, it makes it so much more efficient. So if you're going to buy Genie Plus, Please don't get it if you're not going to take the time to learn how to use it because you'll just be wasting your money. So I do recommend using Genie Plus, but figure out how to use it effectively so that you get your money's worth. I had to put that little plug in there. So go back and listen to that episode, but I do recommend using Genie Plus and it will shorten your wait time on this attraction especially. Or you could also ride it earlier in the day. Lots of people will head to Indiana Jones for rope drop, which isn't a bad idea because you'll definitely have a shorter wait than if you were to ride it later in the afternoon. But here's a little tip. If you see that everyone's rushing to Indiana Jones, then go on Jungle Cruise first. It's right next door. Nobody goes over to rope drop Jungle Cruise. And Jungle Cruise line also gets long later in the day and they don't have a genie plus option so go over ride jungle cruise then after jungle cruise all of the people who were rope dropping indiana jones they will be through the line getting on the ride and you can then get in line for indiana jones and since the crowds have died down a bit you'll have a shorter wait time than if you had just gotten in line for that attraction first now, sometimes they allow single rider on this attraction, although I haven't seen it for a while. So they haven't done it that I have seen in a while, but it is worth asking, though, if your group doesn't mind splitting up. Now, I hear a lot of people complain that this ride breaks down a lot and it does seem to close frequently. But it's not usually because it's broken down. Usually it's because a guest has dropped something, which automatically causes the ride to shut down for safety reasons. So there's motion sensors all over the attraction. And if something falls out of a ride vehicle, then 
immediately the ride shuts down for safety reasons. Because what if a little kid fell out of the vehicle? Like they have to shut it down. But the motion sensors can't tell if it's a person falling out of the vehicle or a phone or a pair of sunglasses. So cast members at the beginning of this attraction really encourage you to stow all your items safely for this very reason. There's a little pouch in front of you. You can put all your stuff in. It will be safe in there. But double check there's no hole in the bottom. Because one time I put my stuff in the pouch and there was a hole in the bottom. And I felt it fall out while we were riding. Like my ears fell out onto my feet. I was able to grab them. But I was like, oh, well, there you go. There was a hole. But a few months ago, then I was on Buzz Lightyear and we were just getting ready to exit the attraction. I was the next person to get off the ride and the lady exiting the vehicle in front of me dropped her backpack onto the track and the whole ride immediately shut down, like stopped completely. And she grabbed her backpack and she exited the ride and was off and on her merry way. But the rest of us had to sit there because the ride had shut down because of those automatic motion sensors that pause everything. It took cast members 15 minutes to get the ride up and running again. And it was a little torturous because I could see the exit. Like I was the next person to get off. I wasn't in the ride shooting targets and having fun. I was like, ah, if I could wiggle my way out of here, I could be free. I was so close. It was a little torturous, but I got a first-hand look at how things work when something falls out of a ride vehicle, and they had to clear the track and walk through the entire attraction to make sure there were no other problems or anything else on the track, and then they had to reboot the ride. There was a lot of phone calls between different cast members. It was a long process for something as simple as dropping a backpack, but like I said, what if that had been a small child and the ride hadn't automatically shut down, it could have been a really dangerous situation. Now think about that same thing, but on a bigger scale with Indiana Jones. The Indiana Jones attraction has the same motion sensors that cause the ride to shut down for safety reasons, but the attraction is much larger than Buzz Lightyear. So if it does shut down because someone's water bottle falls out onto the track or, you know, they drop their phone, then it takes a much much longer time for cast members to get it up and running again. Now, I'm not saying that this is like always why the ride closes down, the only reason that the ride shut down, but it does account for a large portion of the problems. So you can do your part to keep the ride running by putting your phone away, taking off your ears and hats and glasses, those kinds of things, and that will keep the ride running smoother. Plus, you don't want to lose something on the ride because I don't know if you'd get it back. I mean, hopefully you would, but uh, you'd hate to lose something. This ride can move 2,400 guests an hour, which is pretty good, and the attraction lasts about 3 minutes and 35 seconds. You must be 46 inches or taller to ride, and we're going to have to stop part one right there, but I have just barely gotten started. We haven't talked about the queue or the actual attraction yet, or how I got stuck on this ride and evacuated and got to walk through half of the attraction and see all this stuff behind the scenes. It was amazing. Holy cow, I have so many things to still tell you, but it's going to have to wait until next week or 
this episode would be extremely, extremely long. So we're going to stop it right there after I've, you know, I've done the history, some backstory, things like that. You're just going to have to wait until next week for part two of Once Upon a Time Indiana Jones Adventure. I hope it's not too torturous to wait. I'm excited for next week because I have so many cool things to share with you. Well, thank you so much for listening and supporting my show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really want to support me right now, I would love it if you went over and subscribed to my YouTube channel. Even if you've never watched YouTube, it would really help me if you subscribed. I'm trying to reach a thousand followers or subscribers. I think they call them subscribers. Obviously, I'm new to YouTube. I'm trying to reach a thousand subscribers over there. And I would love it if you would go over over and subscribe. Even if you don't plan on ever watching my stuff, it would really help me out if you would just hit the subscribe button. I'll put a link for that in the show notes. You can also find me over on Instagram. I share lots of tips and helpful information over there. So go check it out. I will be back next week with the second half of Once Upon a Time Indiana Jones Adventure. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk soon.